hello everyone this time we're not lost in time and space compared to two weeks ago so we actually managed to end up here and we've got ourselves a kind of different topic but not really because today we'll touch maybe a little bit upon my trip to scotland and then look into current state of vaitments in a sense that pumbaa is playing a scrim we have i think we're at currently planning for seventh and eighth scrim as team poland yeah so, so many of them it's crazy so what we want to talk about is at this point talk about the value of skills of the scrims what they give you how to approach it and answer some of the questions because this time when i was looking at the show questions we have a few of those that can be more lengthy to answer so that would be nice to touch upon especially when we cannot find the topic sometimes and it's really good that the viewers are useful so not being mean at all so with with all of that said how are you pumba what's going on on your end because you um, said that you were taking a break from 40k after wtc yeah that's going very fucking well for me i'm currently captaining two screams two eight one screams one again uh being team Poland against team scotland we are doing pairings uh tomorrow and one being uh, my local team, Krakow Small Brigade, the team that I've captained for a couple of years now, I think. Uh, the one that we uh, basically, um, I captained to the uh, second and then first place at Polish Team Championships, the one that basically taught me how to actually be a team captain. So I'm very excited about that. I'm excited to get back into action, working with uh, those people and on improving that um the overall skill level um brian the price isn't much as she is right like besides me um so i'm i'm sure uh, sure she will jump uh, into the um view sooner or later um yeah so the the situation is i'm super into death guard right now and i haven't been this excited to actually play 40k in a long time um and with the metal being overall oh there she is um <laughs> very healthy um i'm actually uh super excited to test out new armies like admic and necrons in the team environments and this is something that we are basically working on uh during this scream uh that we will be talking about um against uh no name team from france uh, uh one of the big four and against team scotland as well so with the with the current state of the things being pretty healthy and like not everything being solved something like new armies appearing seems to be quite exciting for me so I'm very much into that. And yourself, Nathan? I've been pretty good. Uh, a bit like you guys. It's always uh, after the WTC, I'll take some time off 4K, and then we are addicted to the plastic crack that is playing games. So I just had a singles recently for Leicester GT, but uh, I've been suffering with the plague for the last few weeks. So I do apologize if I cough halfway through this. I'll mute as much as I can. Uh, but no, yeah, I think 40K is in a really good place now. We've got two new codexes. One's a bit busted, which we'll go into a bit later. But uh, generally, it's always nice when the meta gets shaken up quite a lot. 
No, I don't know what you're saying. I, I also missed Kasukin. They were great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just met, metal Kasukin now. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, myself, I, I'm also like quite into 40k lately. I've made some calculations. I'm in last two months, I'm currently 30 games in. Jesus Christ. Of 40k including 20 with sisters alone with the same exact list every single game so that's so much more hammer for you <laughs> yeah that's more than i usually play for two wtcs so uh, yeah i'm currently trying to stay up with what's happening but at the same time i'm enjoying it so much that i'm like pre-buying tickets for singles events in poland so shit is going wild it really is so yeah, like even singles, like like I just said, we just said Leicester GT, and I think going into the last round for figuring out who's undefeated, there were four different armies on max wins. So it was like two sisters, two world eaters, two CSM, two Eldar. Like it's the meta's actually in a pretty decent place right now, even for singles, which a few months ago wasn't the case. Yeah, you might be saying that the meta is adapting, but thankfully it will be it will be broken for a month at least soon. So that, that's oh, what yeah. I expect at least. Uh, so uh, looking into previous things that were happening, before we get into the scrims and the state of the game, I, I want to shout out the event that we that I went to Scotland with my son. First of all, my travel lag. Pumba was crying. <laughs> that's that's incredible like you traveling to events is always hilarious right now because always she's goes down. like every so, single time she goes down so for those unaware i went for like 3v3 team event my car rear shield broke so i needed to be towed to my uh and it broke when i was like uh leaving the parking lot so you know good moment to break not not when you're driving 130 kilometers an hour on the highway but that was this one so i fixed my car on tuesday then i flew out on thursday but it turns out i missed my flight so i stayed the whole night at frankfurt airport and there's one thing that i've learned is that they kick you out of the checked in zones and then you have to sleep with the homeless which is less than ideal uh so i chose instead to watch tyler one for seven hours <laughs> <laughs> because I needed something dumb enough to make sure that they do not fall asleep and I must say it worked uh, so there is that and uh, yeah the event was also a blast I made the worst thing in my life which was deep fried Mars bar I thought it was a joke but it you was actually a thing in life. School. <laughs> it was so bad I cannot even describe it. Like, imagine it's butter in a butter, but then fried in like an oil that was used to fry fish. <laughs> so you get that slight aftertaste in your Mars bar. You, it's the umami flavor of it. That's what. You mean. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! I'm gonna fucking puke. <laughs> so, well, I don't want what... any umami fucking flavors in my Mars bar. What the fuck are we talking about? Oh, that's foul. Yeah, so it was so bad that I couldn't eat for like next 13 hours. 
and I took only one bite. And my body said that this has been rejected. Uh, we Scottish need to diet have a discussion. <laughs> oh wait, I when we were ordering uh, ordering out food, I asked for two veggie sides, but they didn't have any veggies actually when they called us after we made an order. So it was great. And Just we also stayed at and Does... we also stayed at spoons sharing our location. <laughs> Uh, to the Discord, so people can buy us stuff. And I must say, there were two very nice moments. First of all, my son went to the toilet. We were waiting for the remainder of the guys. So only on I sat at the table. And at that point at the table, we had, I think, six drinks and two shots of uh, stronger liquor. And then came a waiter that was looking at me with those six cocktails and two shots. And he brought a uh, tray of bad light and six another shot looked at me and said good luck brother <laughs> and just left and then another hey. waiter came over and said that kitchen is very fucking upset with the amount of mushy peas that were ordered <laughs> but hey there's your veggies <laughs> but at the same time guys arrived early enough that we left before any of the food arrived. So now think that there was probably another couple that sat at the table like 30 minutes later and got an order of like five kilos of peas. If we ever have a meetup ever anywhere in the world, please make sure they do not serve a deep fried Mars bar because I will taste that and I will regret it very like badly. No, you won't. No, no you won't. it's life changing. Oh my god. Oh yes, <laughs> the worst possible I, I, way. I, I assume exactly. Uh, very much. Do not recommend. But uh, even though itself was fun, I enjoyed playing sisters. Uh, I enjoyed trying out new ciders. Uh, it was cool. I actually played like three previous or current Scottish national team players. So it wasn't also like seal clubbing only. I mean, maybe a little bit Ryan. Uh, but <laughs> Ryan, if he listens to it, he will know. Uh, but yeah, it was quite fun. Um, any events of yours, guys? And I think you guys might want to plug in. Yeah, I went to the same three man event. But that was basically, was that two weeks ago? Almost two weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And I played CSM there because one of the teams were basically missing a player. So they just literally. What did your Forge Fiends have? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> apparently, the, the, the guy who was supposed to be playing CSM um, submitted the list with Forge Fiends with high Hades Autocans uh, on them, which was solid. Um, very enjoyable. Most of the games, four four of the games, I fortunately was allowed by importance to play uh, them as you know ectoplasm cousins. One of them I wasn't. Um, didn't matter too much, fortunately. Uh, we did get third, which was very nice. I also learned that CSM I way more broken than I ever thought they were uh, by actually playing them. Um, Especially after jumping, like, Deathguard is kind of similar in playstyle to the CSM list that is currently ravaging through the meta. Uh, but Deathguard don't really have the delete anything you want button, I would say. 
you need to oftentimes um, make sure you have enough to kill the specific targets you will still be uh, dead by the end of your turn. As you make, to, you need to make um, deliberate choices and account for the fact that you sometimes will underperform with your units, stuff like that. Uh, CSM don't really have that problem. You just basically um, want something dead and it's gone 90% of the time with just one or two units maximum, uh, which was very, I don't know. Um, it is a fun list to play. I'm not saying it isn't. Like the, the CSM are legitimately very fun to play, but it felt real fucking weird. Like I playing this army for the first time ever during like that was the only f five games I've played with the army, and by like the fourth game, I felt like this army is straight up just getting defeat anything in the game uh, if played correctly. Um, and this reminded me you talking about metal boxes. I unlocked an achievement. I killed the rhino with two times five zerkers and heroes inside. That in a way that only Karn could disembark. Ow. Mm, so ideal. No. You so I, I've got my achievement on killing the squad inside without because it couldn't disembark within six. Oh, I also bought like a shitload of Death Guard. I was not supposed to be starting any army, and there we are. There was a lot that uh, one guy was selling for dirt cheap, and I just couldn't resist. So now I've got like four fucking thousand points of Death Guard, death guard to paint. No idea when I'm gonna. Um, actually do it but hey there we are day before the tournament we both know it uh, possibly uh, maybe most yeah most of the time this is how it works um and you played that lester nathan yeah i wanted to take uh i haven't had any team events recently i've got one middle of next month and i've got the pyro cup in poland uh, which will probably do a big episode on that afterwards um but no, I went to a singles event, went to Leicester GT. Uh, I took Nids because I felt, because they have a codex out already, they still need some testing. I took a very similar list to Caillou's that you took to Worlds. Um, I actually thought the list performed pretty well. I went 4-1. Um, the only game I lost, I lost to Eldar 98-97. Because... I literally put my whole army into a young Khan who then survived on one wound, who then did six wounds back to my neuro tyrant who's on my home objective, kills him. Then the next turn, he draws cards, spends a CP to redraw a card, gets capture enemy outpost, and something else. So he got like five points for primary and got eight points for that card. And he beat me 98 97. I was like, well, fuck this. Uh, but I did actually, I did actually get to play the triple curse list, and actually the nids are not awful into that. I actually, won that game, which I was impressed by. But I think because you were playing invasion fleet with precision, yeah, the Khan effects and the the gene stealers do help with that quite a lot. But then I got a little bit lucky with some of the, um, like failing some battle shock tests. When they needed to which obviously gives me like the plus one to wound and gives me some other things as well so and he stops and doing some strats so i got a little bit lucky with those things but that was a bit of a highlight other than that nids are okay they just can't kill vehicles for shit they're just bad but everything else didn't kill 
But no, it was a good event otherwise. Which reminds me of another achievement. My triumph of St. Catherine over four turns of melee won the fight against Incarn. Which I was very <laughs> proud of. Yeah. You only need to pass like 16 4 up saves using your miracle dice, then it's fine. Yeah, once you generate enough miracle dice, he's impervious to damage, effectively. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck I've been very impressed with this, by the way. I was down on the codex when it's released, and now I'm really impressed with how it performs. Yeah, I think they are really strong. I think they, in general, when I look at them in terms of matrix, they feel to some extent similar to sisters. As an army, you don't really need to pamper and take care of the pairings. They will just be kind of fine with whatever they get. Yeah, like I felt like I was going into every game going, you know what, this is not favorable for me, but I'm not getting smashed. Mm -hmm. Like if it's if it's like sliding scale scoring, well, actually, to be honest, I don't feel like I'm losing worse than seven against. I'm, I should be getting at least seven points out of most things other than maybe the worst of matchups. But it, did, it felt pretty comfortable into most games. It just maybe struggles a bit with mech. So, mm -hmm. say, for example, that Death Guard list, I would probably feel pretty bad going into that. Can't really kill the mech. Can't really charge the infantry. Can't really debunk them. I'd feel pretty bad into that, probably. Mm -hmm. I agree. But I, I also like the, the fact that this Codex, especially, I feel like, has such a white... Um, array of builds like you legitimately the, the most popular builds in singles are still definitely like the invasion fleets and such but we've seen good vanguards list we've seen uh the fucking swarm is amazing in teams bro um like very impressed with that yeah um, so overall big fan of nids currently now that you mentioned teams and nids Maybe you want to introduce us to your current screen that you wanted to talk about. Sure. So the gist of it is um, Alexander Sacco, who is currently in chat, as uh, we can see here. Uh, by the way, I'm waiting for that shirt to, to appear at my door. It's oh, gonna, no, another it's... person who's going to get perished. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's going to be glorious. Um, let me please do let me know if you want my shirt as well. Although I've heard that um, they are tend to be given away after the first round of the tournament, um, after fighting some charges or some shit. Um, back to the topic. <laughs> so yeah, uh, um, Alexander Psycho um, contacted me uh, to have a scream of a team scream instead of a national scream. Uh, I have gathered uh, eight people that are willing. Um, and we are just doing the, the same thing as we are doing in the, like, um, Team Poland scrims, but instead of the, them, everybody being, uh, considered for, um, their national, respective national teams, we are just, uh, battling each other with the people who are local to us or who are in our teams. Uh, the very important thing here is that we are testing a lot of new stuff and very like awkward ideas um especially from uh, from our side we decided not to take uh csm at all uh we even weren't supposed to be uh playing um craft worlds uh however one of the players wasn't able to really <clears throat> make it um 
due to time constraints. So one of the elder players from our local community jumped instead. So we do have uh, elder, but no CSN, for example. So to start it off with, I'm going to present you some of the ideas that we had for this um, scrim. And in the meantime, I will touch upon one thing that Pumba mentioned, looking for out there ideas. I think this is like the perfect moment of the meta. That as soon as you know that certain army will not get touched too much, it is a great moment to test out new ideas. For example, maybe nowadays playing orcs or dark angels is not really the best idea in your test games, etc., because the codex is very looming and just around the corner. But at the same time, if you know that, for example, Admech Necrons, all those new armies that got codices or those armies that you know will not get any codex. It is a great moment to test out anything that you have while this idea about because those games will then for the BTC to some extent matter because if you have a faction specialist who played with every option in the codex, he will be to some level resistant to the changes that will occur probably in June. So it is like investing in the future with you knowing the armies nowadays. So I would say that it's even bad nowadays if you're playing Elder or CSM, or at least if you're playing the cookie cutter lists. If you're going to play Eldar, I'd suggest you play something wacky and wild and just try to find the solution there. But having said that, back to you, Pumba. Yep, just... Uh... There we go. Technical difficulties. There we go. Um, <clears throat> this is um, our Admech list. And I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I have no fucking idea what Admech does. Like, Krons, I pretty much am aware of the Wraiths. I am aware We of have Gitto. You cannot know anything about Krons. Uh, that's also true. Very much true. And this is uh, our Admech player's idea of how this army is supposed to function. Um, he's obviously using the, um, whatchamacallit, the, the Admech something, Skitari cohort stuff. Does it, is mm -hmm. it in, in the, but I think it should be. Um, so I think this is the best detachment from what I've heard and what has been established about it. <clears throat> and the highlight of the list i believe are still the the breachers two global of breachers who are actually a decent unit um i've heard people say and the general vibe around the codex has been that it's meh um this is uh, the skitari hunter cohort i'm uh pretty sure I, I think at the top it says that it's an explorator exactly so it's even different the approach. Oh, that might be exploratory manipul. That's very interesting. Uh, gonna be like straight up honest. I am not familiar with the advocates at all. I this isn't a faction that I'm willing to jump into, and I feel like some of the ideas here I will just miss. Um, so I'm probably just gonna skip through the list. Uh, relay what has been transferred to me um by like what's what's good in the codex what's not um but it we will just test it out and see how it goes um the funny thing about testing so many new armies and 
like changing your ideas is that your estimation matrices look like fucking junk because you're not actually estimating on any data you're estimating on a vibe which is fucking crazy so um i've just done the pairings with um with the uh, french team and i'm very happy with them i'm sure they are as well uh, so the the gist of it is gonna be uh, we will fucking see um myself i'm huge like fan of the Sidonian dragoons that's one of the units that i've definitely seen in the codex like for 30 45 points i think this um defensive profile this unit is absolutely crazy um the only problem for me is how much bring you down will give up like overall yep but i i've heard the sterilizers are crazy i've seen myson been testing them um i think against scotland we are bringing like 20 or 30 of them um in this hunter uh in the skitari hunter cohort or whatever the fuck is it is called um but yeah this this is definitely breacher heavy um i hate the priests just as a rule of thumb i still hate the unit itself with a passion for their two plus invulnerable safe, which I fondly remember, and Wrath of Mars uh, at the later stages. So I don't know what they do now. I just hate them on principle. Um, I know Myton is very high on the birded guys. Like he's literally thinking about bringing at least 45 in his lists. 45? 45, because 30 and then three times five. Holy fuck. All right. But I, I don't feel qualified at all to talk about that, Meg. I haven't read the book. Maybe, Nathan, you have something to add? Something from your own experience or what you guys found so far? I know absolutely nothing about the new Advert book. I've not done Perfect. a deep dive on them yet. I, I know there was a little bit of talk from what I've heard of. There might be a teams list where you just go, screw, screw bring it down, and you just take a, as many other like stalkers as possible. The... Um, Dragoons, just like a, a, just, yeah, an absolute horde of them. Granted, you probably struggle to uh, set up on the table, but uh, and move around WTC tables. But again, it might just be a stat checklist. Like, we three are very qualified to talk about Admech, as we can see. But Admech is one of those factions which I feel has <clears throat> has this thing going for them, where oftentimes they're isn't many faction specialists and if there are there are literally faction specialists i don't see many people jumping into admic just in and out um very much so nothing to add here unfortunately we'll have more info after we actually test the list extensively and this is what this is going to be one of the first games with the new uh, codices that we play um next up <clears throat> If we are talking about new armies, um, let's talk about this new, um, about our beautiful, beautiful Necrons. Very nice um, this format, by the way, um, especially the assassination point. So this is more in line of uh, what I've been seeing. Um, this is the, also not really on the list, fucking idiots, bro. Uh, but this is the Canoptic thingy, Cryptic thingy. Um, <clears throat> so we've got uh, two times six wraiths, um, 
we've got uh, Shard of the Void Dragon. I think that uh, this list all has been already tested against me, and this is one of the suggestions that I've had, that the list can struggle a little bit with opening transfers, which are very prevalent in the meta. I think this um, model can help with that, um, because I've played it before. The current Ktan uh, have the problem of moving six fucking inches, which is basically nothing. Um, and I've seen them popping up in the hyperspace, I think it is called, the the jumping there around detachment. Uh, I think there it will be way more popular, but I think one of them can still prove um, to be a challenge to shift for, from like the middle objective or something. And I personally think that the Void Dragon uh, has always been the, the one Catan where his size is a big problem for him. I think this time his bigger base can actually be a benefit. Um, for actually blocking paths for uh, enemy units or like occupying space on an objective. Uh, Emotech gives you some CPs. Sheras is broken, that's my opinion. I think I'm not the only one to have it, uh, but it has been a good unit. And now for one, uh, the 60 points, this is one of the um, killiest, actu actually killiest characters in Necrons. Uh, he shoots okay, he fights pretty good. He gives immense buffs and is tanky as fuck. And of course, we've got Kasserkin, uh, or rather uh, Immortals, um, with the whole package with Overlords, with the Plasmancers, stuff like this. Um, we have been testing the Nice Scythes. Um, one, the previous iteration of the list had Nice Scythes in it. We found them a little bit awkward, especially on WPC, where you cannot... Um, overhang the ruins walls with the planes um, and you need to come uh, from strategic reserves so you just have the six inches from the border to actually um, deep strike the plane uh, or rather set it up um, it can be a little bit awkward to actually get into a position where uh, the night side is valuable uh, I'm thinking some of the, uh, like, Ghetto, I think, is very high on the nice side, so I'm wondering uh, if he will disagree and if he proves it to be incorrect. Yeah, but overall, I like this a lot. Um, the overlord, the new Overlord is great. Uh, what I especially like in this detachment is that, uh, I'm not going to even try and, try and pronounce that. These are the forgeward little fly fingers that I also get was using in WTC at WTC. Uh, these are beasts. They have melter shots uh, and they've got infiltration, I believe, or scout, but I think infiltration is the thing. I think they are, um, they are amazing at uh, like deny, like they are quite difficult to shift for their points. And in this detachment where they can reel uh, to hit, I think they are very valuable. I think they are a little bit slept upon um, by other, like, by the list I've seen popping up. I think these are premium in this detachment, especially. Yeah. The list gives up a million assassination, which is a problem. I think this is a good moment to touch a little bit more on the Necrons. I think we already mentioned them at the very beginning and we called them Castrokin 2.0. And I think there's some merit to it. I find that Necrons nowadays seem like one of the best armies for teams, at least on the paper, in theory. Mm -hmm. Like, when you look at the how tough this list you're showing, mm -hmm. there's 
Ktam. Yep. And then two squads that are nearly unkillable for most opponents. Mm, Immortals can die, but yeah. the Raves are super tanky. They are incredibly and, tanky, yes. And I find they will be a new boogeyman, and I think they will be an army that you need to have in the team in the five months, mm -hmm. and it will be a very huge problem in singles. Hopefully, it will be addressed in January to some extent. So we just don't have to deal with it too much. But this is a question that we got asked in the questions chat. And I think this is a good moment to answer. So I, I think just Necrons are really good. And they are really good in a way that I don't like, but different to what they were before. Before, I found Necrons very unpleasant to play against because their mechanics were very feels bad, either for the Necron player because the unit died, or the opponent because they couldn't kill the unit. And nowadays, I think the units will still not die, but at the same time, your opponent will be decimated at times. I think this codex is very apparent in what's strong in it. Or like there are some of the some of the highlights um, are very like apparent and and visible at the first glance after seeing some lists or seeing uh, some data sheets and abilities. And I don't necessarily like that, um, especially compared to Admic, where it's very hard to actually find what this codex is about. I feel like we this this codex is going to be solved way quicker. Um, that's the first thing. I think it will. It can have that effect on the meta where someone like Mani can just build a list and then win a GT outright in like the next couple of weeks. I think it can definitely happen. If people are not prepared to face it, it will be a struggle. And your, yourself, Nathan, how do you feel about it? Yeah, like I reiterate quite a lot of those points, whereas the Admec might take a couple of months from now to really establish itself or establish a certain list, either for singles or teams. Yeah, a lot of people looked at the Necron book and went, okay, yeah, it's two mortal units that just do a silly amount of mortal wounds. Or even potentially you can take the, let's call them Grey Knights, but Necron version, uh, with the with all the Satans. When you've got things like just Wraiths in any build are good. They're obviously so much better than the Canoptic version, especially when the characters are also putting D3 wounds on things in a range as well. So like you can have, I think, Void Dragon in this list can reheal 3D3 wounds a turn mm -hmm. if he wants to. Yep, pretty much. So it's just like, yes, they move six inches, Yes, they cry if they get hit by a night spinner. But other than that, they are the list is so tough. When you're running through like even some lists that I've seen that say Team England players have posted up, it's like, okay, well they're this many points, but almost everything in the list has a four plus invulnerable save. And almost everything is healing wounds. And everything is some things are doing mortals. Wraiths are a massive stat check unit where like even if you run through the dice for chosen going into them like chosen they put a dent in them but they don't they don't 
They don't clear the objective because they gave raids OC2. Does that make sense? Yep. Uh, so it's like, well, I've got 13 OC. If you kill a couple, I've still got the objective. It's like, okay, well, on 50 mil bases, they have the ability to go in a team's list. I'm going to take all the objectives. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of armies are not going to be able to do enough about it. So they're a bit cookie cutter right now with what they're quite obvious. Certain units are bonkers. So we'll just have to see what changes with them. Yep. What I'm going to say is the race I found are not very killy. No, um, they're not. No. They are killy against some specific profiles, but overall they are hitting on force and um, especially four if you're four rerolls, but it's very... This detachment is very interesting for me because it can be fought against, I feel like. Um, because how it works and when the... Um, Control of the objective basically is checked for it. I believe it's uh, end of every single phase. You can kind of... um, You have interaction in how many... How killy are they, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, I think there's definitely a counterplay to them, but it's going to take some adjusting, especially in the list department. Um... Because, as I've said, if you get jumped by 12 wraiths and you don't have um, a plan how to deal with them, it's kind of this, like, incarnate in your deployment zone situation, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the necronomist. By the way, I'm going to mention this, uh, just to throw shade. Um, the, The French didn't take... Necrons or Admech for this, even though we waited fucking like two uh, full weeks to have their points in, and they decided not to take any. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> Are you even surprised at this point? Hardly, but hey. Okay, what's up next? So these are the new armies. Mm. Um, Necrons obviously good. Admech will see. Uh, we are also bringing on none other than the worst, probably the worst army in the game. Uh, what's your guess for that? As I I know it. it up, I also look. Hey, so. <laughs> we've got yeah. ourselves some Drukari. Um, and this is this is basically us. Trolling a little bit, I'm gonna say straight up. I don't think they are um, suited for eight mans or are any nowhere near good enough. But we really want to test the extents of what the codex lacks or um, how it can play with the toys it has currently. Because I really believe that with uh, some adjustments in the upcoming slate. I think it can really turn out to be very, very strong. Um, the idea with the list, um, to start us off with, we've got the Beastmaster, which is one of the best units in the Codex for for me. I think this yeah. is this is straight up amazing. Uh, maybe I would even consider running two of these. Um, I love the possibility of the army to just block so many lists that are currently um, running in the meta. 
I've played against a similar start of Drukari against uh, Crazy, who was one of our uh, WTC players. And what we've established is that if he had this unit played against my death card list with the free uh, free rhinos, three PBCs, three knights, blocking just one flank for an entire turn for 105 points with his scout moves and then advance move uh, with a reroll from the token can literally deny your opponent um, the victory, like the primary points to they need to push points. This army can do um, secondaries extremely well, where its struggles will be primary play. So anything that can deny your opponent primary points, like slowing them down on just one flank of the table uh, with things like Beastmaster, will be invaluable. Uh, we've got a lot of Venoms. We've got one Raider, some Witches. Um, he has been trying to... Um, running more of them, a very underwhelming unit, and just more and more shooting. Uh, Urien, uh, running solo, by the way, very good unit as well. Um, this this has um, the um, Fugen problem, so basically, uh, even though he's running alone, he has the Phoenix Gem on him, uh, with a 4 plus Invent for no Pain, so he's a bitch to shift. So basically, like a better loan up because no loan up, and you still don't want to shoot at me. Um, another highlight of the codex, I feel like, are the mandrakes who are have the this kind of similar law, uh, role to the beastmaster can provide. Uh, they are scouted infiltrating unit that you can uh, pick up and put down anywhere. Their shooting is surprisingly good. They quite reliably can put some mortal wounds or like dev wounds onto some targets uh, to plink of those additional wounds of, of um, things like uh, vehicles on an objective. Say you hit with some lances, um, you deal some amount of damage, you often are uh, times are left with a vehicle on two or three wounds on an objective. Uh, these can actually provide quite um, stable damage into that with their devastating wounds and amount of shots. Ravagers, because that's probably the best unit of the codex still. And Scourges because, still, one of the highlights of the decks. This sh list actually shifts um, vehicles like crazy with the all the Scourges, with the Ravagers. Um, it plans to slow opponent down from reaching points, but what it absolutely lacks is a squad that can actually survive on the objective to play primary. So the goal for it is to be a speed bump for opponent's armies, um, especially if, if it happens to catch a good army, and just try to score as uh, well as possible as secondaries while slowing opponent down. I think the only thing Drukari seriously lack to be a good army is some buffs to things like Grotesques or Talos. Incubi. Fuck Incubi. And fuck Drazer. He he knows what he did. Um, I'm not looking forward to him returning. Um, but yeah, I think if this army gets some points reduction and things like Grotesques or Talos uh, get a little bit better, I think it can actually be very spicy in the future. Right now, it's not amazing, 
it straight up isn't. There is no like secret tech. But I think many people have shown that it still can play this addition. Even as a worst army in the game, which it probably is, we are in the state of the game where even the worst army in the game can pull some results. Like people like Scary have proven us to us that he, he, it can even win the win events, right? Um, yeah, but it's kind of weak at differential score. So yes, the data that you can see in win or lose will be kind of lying to you when you're thinking about this army for teams because this army will tend to not have many <laughs> winning matchups. It might scrape a 10-10 where you win by two free victory points. But when you lose, you fucking lose. Mm -hmm. It definitely, it can definitely get rushed. If it gets rushed super hard by a very aggressive list and you don't go first, for example, it can crumble. There is no, no way around that. Um, but yeah, definitely if you are looking for something to pick up for five mans, don't look at this army still. Um, eight mans probably still not it. But I think in the future, especially, uh, crazy is just uh, the uh, the um, dark elder specialist in our um, in uh, Krakow, and he has been playing uh, them for a long time. He has been playing uh, um, Drukari at the previous previous WTC. Uh, so just we decided to go for comfort. We decided to test something out. Uh, to bring him back to to one of his more, most comfortable armies because he's been jumping around playing like CSM, World Eaters and stuff. So we wanted to test him out uh, on the army that he really enjoys playing. So that's that's the Drukari, a little bit of an off-meta pick. And continue with off-meta picks, or at least not obvious picks. We've got... Um, someone returning from Atlanta, which will be Leshu. And Leshu said, uh, you know, <clears throat> the Space Marines are cool, but fuck that. And I'm playing uh, Grenades for this one. Uh, he has been considering Grenades for Atlanta, from what he's been talking um, yeah, in our like Team Poland chats and stuff. But the Atlanta FAQ basically fucked grenades like to the ground things like um the the faq that uh tells you that the if someone deep if someone deep strikes within three of your unit you cannot miss and stuff like that exactly so um setting exactly setting up doesn't trigger um finishing uh the movement stuff and the grandmaster not letting uh your units ignore minus, things like minus one damage basically meant that they are quite a bad pick for atlanta but um since he has been working on some lists he decided to stand out here this has the classic um package of free librarians uh, one of these is sure to die uh, by, by its own volition by rolling a one and then five up. I'm pretty sure this happens every game against Grenade, like the Grenade's play. This is just included in the ghost. Uh, we've got the Grandmaster, we've got Crow, two strike squads, Razorbacks for the. Um, I'm also a CSM because everybody needs to be a CSM list now, and this is his answer to that. <clears throat> Huge Paladin squad uh, for the Grandmaster to um, 
basically bully the mid side, uh, mid middle of the board. Leshu loves his Death Star units like uh, Deathwing Knights. I think he's very comfortable in having one of those uh, just bully the middle of the board. So his this is his choice. The Purifier Squad um, with the Custom Crow is an incredible unit. I've played against uh, one of those at the three v three team event. And they are such a pain in the ass if they just strike near you, and then you have to deal with them without actually moving because Overwatch from these guys is an absolute nightmare. Um, yeah, overall, my thoughts uh, after playing some Grey Knights, I think they are amazing. Like, legitimately. I think this army is extremely strong. Yeah, I think in the team setting, I would wager I could even take them in fives. Definitely. I agree. 100%. Um, they are really hard and they exploit mistakes like crazy. There's, There are a few problems I see with an army like this is when you're playing a five-round tournament that's very heavy on your own, I mean, on the mental strength. Like this army can be mm -hmm. quite challenging in the long run. So it is an army that I would suggest if you're giving it to someone, give it to someone who doesn't have any other responsibilities within the team and just has to come to play the game and then can chill between the rounds, etc. But I found it being very strong. The more screams we've played against Grey Knights, the more games I saw being played against Grey Knights. Myself, I played three times against Grey Knights in total. So I, I feel like this army has a lot of potential. And it is kind of being slapped on, and I don't know why, because it feels like it has really good matchup into Eldar. Mm -hmm. It is kind of scuffed into CSM, but it depends on your build. Like, if you're building it well, it can be decent into CSM. Actually, I've played this matchup exactly, and I what I feel the thing is, if you're not playing Accursed, and I did not have them in my list, it can be a real pain in the fucking ass to screen everything out. The CSM lists don't have a big footprint. They have Rhinos, they have some... Um, they have like five units on the board. Pretty much, like three Rhinos, uh, a Forge Fiend, like one Squad of Cultists somewhere, chilling somewhere in the backfield, for example. But it can be a challenge to effectively screen out um, places on the board where the uh, Grenades can deep strike and bully you with things like the uh, Purifier Squad. So they can slow you down. They can uh, deep strike within three, then fuck off with the uh, mist of Damus. They can be a real challenge to play against. I have lost against um, them thirteen to seven, I believe. Uh, but and I really felt like with the army that I was playing, if I was playing my second game with CSM, then I needed a lot more reps with my army to even like start thinking about how to counter the grenade specifically. Um, by the way, all the two-up saves that this army has can be an issue for a lot of things, and people are, are kind of also sleeping on that. Like, the, the, the AP has really gone down, so these bodies are way more survivable than they appear at the first glance. Would you feel in five-man teams now that, not necessarily this list, but say Grey Knights might now struggle with the cursed CSM list and now Necrons. Like, do you feel this is good into triple max rates with the filler pains and the board control that it able to just bully you on primary? 
I can see into triple raves. You actually have enough. We can try and with how many units you sometimes have with the grenades, you can try and gangbang one squad. And it's, it's not super hard because you pu you put uh okay, that was interesting chat. Anyway, uh so I find that of how much of a footprint Braves have, it can be sometimes that you put just enough attacks because the grenade's profile isn't that bad into Raves, all things considered, right? They have four wounds, five of no pain, so you need three attacks to go through to kill a Wraith, essentially, because you have damage two attacks. Yeah, but you're wounding on fours. And hitting on threes, so sure. But you can say that one squad in melee kills one, kills one Wraith. If you have a lot of squads, you can try and force the issue and just gangbang one squad. And on the other hand, obviously the immortals will absolutely decimate you, but the raves themselves won't. Because yeah, their damage profile doesn't do a lot into it. Um, I mean they are two damage each, so every single save that you fail will hurt. What I feel like currently is that very I think it might be very dependent on the exact Necrons build, for example, and how well they can screen themselves out. Um, because if those immortals are anywhere on the board and a three-inch deep strike from like a purifier squad can, can get a decent line of sight onto them, they will die. These will melt from the purifiers, absolutely 100%. I think this is as many Grey Knight matchups go, it's very skill intensive. I don't think it's a solve thing. I think I think it will it can struggle. I see where you're coming from with with the assumption, but I'm not 100% certain. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't actually just saying, oh, I think this loses to. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering what you guys think about that potential matchup now in something like a fives or a four-man event where you go, actually, is that now 40% to half of my matchups that maybe aren't so great? Mm -hmm. I think this army's like worst <laughs> matchup currently is Iron Storm. Possibly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just has enough that Redemptors are untouchable for this army. Yeah. Unless librarians go through with them, exactly. And as soon as librarians go librarians... through one of them, they die. Yes, uh, usually yes. I think this. I agree that that this would be Grenade's um, worst matchup. But I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I feel like good. Like if you just tried this army, like try hard this army. Like legitimately learn every matchup. It also has the similar vibe of I cannot see it getting crushed by anything right now. Especially yeah, and that was the idea of WTC for USA, right? Pretty much. Although the lists were significantly different, the tricks are the same. Um, so I feel like this can still play against almost anything. I I myself find I find myself being in a spot where 
judging matchups right now is very difficult because normally what you're trying to do when like filling out your matrices, at least that's how we do it, is ignore players, player skill. We try to assume perfect, near perfect play, let's say, from both uh, parties. And the more I look at the meta right now, and the more I look at the armies being played right now, the more I come to the conclusion that if the player skill is perfectly equal, the biggest differential is in the mission and like random stuff that happens on the table more than actual matchups. Yeah, I, I think it applies to plenty of niche armies or quite difficult armies. I found it really applicable to my games with sisters, for example. Mm -hmm. This is an army that I know after playing a game that if my opponent knew how to play it, I should lose it. But I am yet to find a person who knows how to play that game. And I think it will apply in the same way to Grey Knights. And to some extent, I found Nids being the same. People underestimate sometimes what Nids can do. So I, I think we're truly in a spot where the skill difference can impact nearly any matchup, which I'm super yeah. happy about. Yeah. I don't know. What's your take on it, Nathan? Yeah, like, like we we're all veterans of it. Player skill does play an important part. Matchups are important. I would say now more than ever in tenth edition, there is a little bit of a which turn and which mission you're playing does seem to factor into mm -hmm. some matchups a little bit. That does seem to be able to not only swing a matchup from being like, oh, I got nine rather than maybe eleven. Unfortunately, in some of them, it can be the difference between getting like 13 and 7. Maybe that's a bit exaggerated, but it, it is a little bit like this could be a drawback. Actually, he's got last turn and it's the disappearing objectives. So he gets 15 on the last turn. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, if you deny a little bit, then I've beaten you by 30 or 20 or primary. Mm -hmm. I'm already 14 6 up at that point, as long as I keep secondary. You know what I mean? It's one of those, some of the missions are impacting the game a little bit more than it has done in previous times. But yeah, it's player skill is always going to be probably the biggest aspect of it. OK, so on this, actually, um, I would like to continue this topic where I, when I share my list. Because I have, um, when thinking about Death Guard lists and generally about the meta right now, um, I've had this thing when we've just talked about how much the, like, the, the mission impact stuff and some specific roles could impact your final scoreboard and anything. Um, would you say right now that picking fixed secondaries is a huge benefit, being able to pick fixed secondaries over tactical? I think on certain missions, yeah. Overall, if you prepare lists, because why I want to talk about this is I find myself in a spot. Uh, this is a, a, one of the iterations I've been running. It's an, basically an iteration of uh, Liam's list for war, from Worlds. Um, it has some changes, definitely. Uh, I definitely like the, the plague spitters on some of my crawlers. I find them really amazing, where entropy uh, mainly provide threat more than actual damage. Uh, I'm not saying they're bad, but 
the spitters can actually uh, bully infantry off of objectives and uh, from the walls. Uh, I've swapped up one of the brigands for a carnivore. This is um, because I found in many matchups where, um, as I've said previously, some of the games I've played with the army can swing depending on how things like for hitting for my four ups with the heavy weapons on the, the squad. How many mortal wounds will the free grenades deal? Stuff like that. And some of the games I found myself in a spot where um, I sometimes underperform and I need to um, basically bolster one of the flanks. This army is not good in changing like the sides where you play the battle. So if one of your flanks, one of the sides of the uh, your board collapses because something went uh, sour, it has a really tough time actually reclaiming that flank. Um, I've tried to fix, uh, fix this by including uh, a carnivore that I tend to play, not always, but I tend to play it from um, uh, Rapid Ingress to if I have the suspicion that one of the sides of the table can get fucked, I just try to position it in a good spot to uh, counter my opponent um, almost preemptively, let's say. And it has worked um, surprisingly well. I think this particular Death Guard list um, is actually worse against CSM than like the solo Death Guard. I think the Knights are a little bit of a burden in that matchup from what I've tested. Um, because every time a fortune or basically anything in that list looks at your um knight, it's dead. It's straight up dead. And you need like uh at least two car uh, brigands to take down the forge fiend, and sometimes still you will with. It's very volatile. And Nathan Nathan knows it with his experience with CK, right? Yeah, the problem with Forge Fiends is they sit at 36, you can't engage them back, you can't you can't get melter range. They just pick one off every turn. Exactly. Um, so I found them bad there, although they improve um a lot a lot of matchups um elsewhere, and I'm fine with this trade basically. Um I've reduced the number of plague marines, which is a it was a difficult choice to make. And instead of one of the uh, squad of plague marines that was running without a character, I found them uh, almost every game. Instead of them actually doing something useful or doing damage, they are too volatile to do that, and they were basically like OC two bodies on an objective. Instead of uh, because I've uh, gained the twenty points from switching uh, to a carnivore, I've got myself a, a soul typhus running around, or rather deep striking around. Uh, Working similarly to a uh, um, Grey Knight Librarian. He does uh, some mortal wounds. He can still do an action in your backfield and maybe threaten with an engine charge. He will not die to chaff. The main problem with, that I have with the list, which is very obvious to see, look, just looking at it, it gives up a ton of bringing down and assassination points. And this is a problem if we are trying to push differentials. But I don't know if I can think, I'm still trying, but I don't know if it is worth 
reducing like the outputs maybe i would even call it like the reliability of the list to try to dodge that bump or like to to jump over that bar of me giving up a lot of secondary points because this plays um, primary phenomena uh, absolutely incredibly this army can push primary like some of the best armies in the game um, the contagions are a real rule now. Uh, playing around Death Guard on the objectives is a real pain in the ass. And this army is super fun for me to play. But I did find myself when I'm, even if I'm like tabling my opponent or winning big, usually it wouldn't, wouldn't still result in a high score because of all the secondary points, kind of like Tau used to do. Uh, we've given up all the secondary points and we're bringing down, just bringing crisis suits. Yeah, I, I think there's like another value of having a plan for fixed or at least more plans for fixed, except obviously only homers. Because then you get the mission with kill more that you will usually hold two objectives on the board. So cleanse out becomes nearly like 18 to 20 if you have units to play cleanse. Because on that mission, a five-man squad holds two objectives. Even three-man Nurgling squad, I think, perfectly touches two objectives. So, so there's that, or there's the mission where you leave the middle objective out, and suddenly tactical is way worse than that mission because you do not want to have units in the center, so you do not get access to area denial as easily, homers as easily because you do not want to put units in there so you do not do it just by the just by itself you can struggle more with overwhelming force or storm hostile if they bunker up on their objective etc etc so i find that on those missions playing tactical sometimes if your opponent is better at playing fixed so for example i was playing sisters into aldar and if i he went for fixed homer behind but if he decided to bunker his whole army on one side objective, I would, and I wouldn't play fixed myself with Homer's Assassinate, I would suddenly have like one third of the card deck be a bot draw. Not even cards like capture, enemy outposts, etc., which can be even more iffy. So on those missions, I find that you having some plan is even required if you're looking for higher scores. Nathan, your opinion on all of it? Obviously, the easiest answer is if you can build a list that can do both, that is always great. I've always found that because I've been playing Nids quite a lot lately and Dark Eldar quite a lot lately, being having sorry, having the option to be able to be really good at cards is great because even sometimes if you're only getting a five-point card, getting that CP when you need CP for things like uh, NIDs, that helps so much. But like like looking at your list, you say, can I reduce effectiveness, but then reduce points? Do you not feel in a sliding cell system, you could in certain games go, well, I'm going to sit on two objectives, get 40 for primary, and then deny you a lot of secondaries by not giving away my characters, not 
giving away my vehicles in some ways. Almost like, I know it's very boring, but you could go, well, you got 15 points for secondaries. So I beat you by 20 or whatever. I definitely can, and I have done so. Mm. So this list definitely, even though it gives up a lot of secondaries, it just skews towards the middle is what it does. Okay. If I win games, I probably don't get more than 15. And I probably, if I'm against a matchup that I'm not very comfortable with, for example, something like CSM isn't the best, but I'm still not losing this matchup horribly. There is no way I'm getting like tabled. Um, and by this virtue, I can uh, still score quite reliably, try to deny my opponent's uh, secondaries. Like I know it's obviously going back to our older ETC days, I know it's probably an outdated term now because uh, you don't really have attackers, defenders anymore. You seem to have more eight, more flexible mm -hmm. armies. But like, where would you see this role? Sorry, what would you see this list's role for on a team? Is this like, I can go and smash most people? Or is this a, I'm going to put this forward second or third. Do you have a good enough matrix to deal with it? This is very interesting because it kind of functions like a defender's list, mm -hmm. but I found it to have good enough matchups um, against most teams I come up against for it to be basically too good of an attacker with too good of a matrix to put down as a defender. Yeah. yeah. It can attack a lot of things. It has a lot of good matchups in the meta. And it has good matchups into armies that are very common defenders. Because yes, I find that DevGuard has kind of good matchup into Sisters and World Eaters. And both of those armies are a very popular defender role armies. So it just naturally fits quite well as the natural counter into the current meta. And also into Nid. I find it looks kind of decent into Nids, especially with Brigands. Yeah, it's good into Nids. Yeah. I had a small, like, I played a couple of games with this list just to see what it was about. And I actually did really like it. I did actually enjoy it. The only thing, how have you found the Melter Guns? I've always just wanted to go, do I just take more Flamers? Uh, I've tested the Flamers. I've tested the Melter Guns. And I've mm -hmm. come... Uh, with the conclusion that just two shots with five plus elitals sometimes is more important to me because I really don't struggle with infantry-like bodies. Anything okay. that's not a vehicle, this squad still will kill. There's no way around that. Sometimes getting that, that possibility of just one melter coming through, doing some damage, can swing mm -hmm. if I kill that specific heavier target. That's the okay. idea here. I can I can see that for sure. Like I I don't think it's a huge difference, and especially that I'm not running um, super many plague marines in this particular version, because mm -hmm. I have been toying with the ideas of running literally fifty or sixty fucking plague marines. It's still a possibility, yeah. and there I can definitely see. Um, more of them spamming flamers but um most of the time if you're shooting uh 
especially I especially like the possibility of them shooting out of the Rhino, where you have two slots to fire, two two firing spots. So you either go for the Melta if you want to uh, shoot for like yeah. a very vehicle, or you have a foul blight spot flamer and then the spewer, and yeah. one more flamer would be kind of awkward. Sure. So this is a very deliberate choice. I don't think it makes a huge great of difference, but it can. And this army I find found is oftentimes about very precisely managing your ex damage expectations. Called it because it really can flop. Like every single one of these Prayberg Clawyer will probably do um, around zero damage, which yeah, somehow comes will... out to killing something. <laughs> yeah, they're like exorcists. They're like, exactly. uh, they didn't do anything. Oh, well, no, exorcists, when you get enough uh, miracle dice, do start to do stuff. I mean, exorcists uh, have damage d6 and strength 10. It, yeah, and to it I've, seen them, I've seen them flop enough. All you have to listen to is Brian's opinion on uh, exorcists. And, uh, <laughs> he'll tell you what he thinks about them. <laughs> yeah, but this, this list I found um, sometimes works like uh, death by a hundred cuts, um, sure. more than definitely killing something. Like with CSM, you just put five fucking chosen with a lord in there. You activate them; it's probably dead. You put a forge field with um, one superior, everything; it's probably dead. This really doesn't work like that. Most of the time, you have two shots with the brigand; one will miss. One will wound and someone passes an invuln, something like that. But over the time, like the the course of the game, you need to adjust for the fact that's gonna happen constantly. Um, so it, I really like the army. Um, I have the build without knights. I have the build without demons. I think it's all viable. I don't think this army relies on either um, chaos knights or even nerdlings to function. It definitely helps if you have demons, especially. It's a major boon. I don't believe the army absolutely requires them to function. Okay, so that was the uh, quick Death Guard rumblings. Let's go into another off meta pick. Or I don't think it's off meta anymore, to be honest. Um, I think it used to be, but now everybody's like, yeah, that's pretty good. Which is orcs. Um, we've... Played by the 12-year-old, that 19 Bro, don't team. fucking spoil it. The French don't know. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're literally spoiling our secret weapon right now. What you doing here? Um, yeah. So this is the orcs list. Uh, we've kind of come away from playing the track spam. We found it doesn't provide enough damage right now, and it can just just literally bounce off of everything. Um, instead, uh, we kind of fell in love with the squeak hog boys. They are surprisingly tough. Like there's they are not unkillable, but they are surprisingly tough. And with enough of them with all of the uh, squeak bombs, something, 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 yep. they can quite reliably pick up some uh, important, for example, law knobs from your backline. 
Um, I've played enough orcs to know that um, there are times where you expect them to lose and they just somehow win. And I'm not sure how this really goes, but enough pressure with enough toughness, especially, especially those guys in the water when they get the inven. And if they have enough pressure on you, they can just close you still in the deployment zone like they used to. And I found this keeps happening to people over and over and over again. Uh, Snickrot not joining the commandos, by the way, uh, just being another um, infiltration piece to... I think uh, Jacek has been still um, hurt by the world eaters playing against me and stuff. So he, he just has this rule that he will never leave home without 10 commandos and a Snickrot because screening your uh, lines from uh, world eaters rushing you is just to get the miss. Nobs, by the way, can we talk about this unit? It's good. And I still see people saying that, I mean, yeah, it's too expensive and shit. I've played Orcs now a lot of times, and this is usually the unit that I'm most scared of. This still deletes any Marine profile easily, and most other things in the game. Yeah, by far, Nobs are still fantastic. It's very much a list you have to respect everything. It's Quake Hog Boys are super tough, do good damage. The only problem is they struggle a bit on WTC terrain at times. Uh, Definitely. Being mounted, uh, it's like the worst one these days. Uh, up to their OC, I guess. Um, the flash kit, I think a lot of people, a lot of the orc players are moving back to things like flash kits, just being able to shoot and then overwatch. Actually, put some damage. Just remember against. if you're playing flash gates, no, like a small note to Brian who didn't know about you cannot overwatch from the fucking truck. <laughs> yeah, you really cannot. Yeah, not exactly how it works. No, no, no. Uh, this uh, Badrick plus flash gate package, I'm like, I completely understand where this is coming from. And every time I play against orcs, I feel like this package is very valuable for my opponent. And this is something that's extremely threatening to anything, uh, especially on Overwatch with all the reels, uh, if you move close to them, with the sustained hits. But sometimes they just flop so bad because of their AP, for example. And I'm still like, I'm not sure. But I can see why uh, Orc players are, are still um, bound to them, basically, as their best shooting unit, kind of. But yeah, I uh, love this roster. Jacek has been playing Orcs for a long time now. Like, since the beginning of the edition, he has hundreds of games, I believe, now. <laughs> like, legitimately. Um, and he's been performing incredibly well with them. Uh, like, smashing me. 19 to fucking 1. Um, so I'm wondering how this will go. He, I believe, is playing against CSM with three accursed units. How do you feel that matchup goes? Because I am not sure. <laughs> uh, is it three accursed, three chosen, three legionnaires? Or I think so. Yeah. It seems real bad for the for orcs. 
you've run out of trading units because half the CSM stuff has fight on death. So they take half they take half your shit with you. So it's just like okay, once you've dealt with the accursed, uh knobs should run through a whole unit. I'd imagine squid boys don't run through a whole unit. Possibly uh, it's it's just a bit stat checky. Yeah, I would say that's quite difficult. I would put that in a good CSM's favour. Okay. Because I legitimately had no idea. <laughs> I, I just watched nearly the same matchup being played in one of our screams mm -hmm. with our players testing our accursed cultist spam into orcs. And it ended up being like 18-2 for the CSM. Granted, it was slightly different orc list, but I cannot see like the knob squad with a boss being that much better at killing hackers than say 20 boys i i guess with the way the orc player chooses to play is the important aspect could he could he sit and try and play for five or six maybe did your guy try and play for the win and it went badly because he tried to trade and realized he couldn't it's it's one of those it's it's how i guess you play the game you could sit the knobs and just go these are in a counter assault position all game. It depends. Yeah, I'm super interested in that particular matchup because the orc keeps surprising me. Like I know the army I've played against it a very, very, very many times right now, and it's one of the armies that just keeps surprising me with their results. So, looking forward to it. Um, am I missing anything? Uh, do I even want to go uh, through the craft world first? I guess I do no, because it doesn't no, have a, no. it doesn't have an incarn or wraith guard because we are not stupid here. Uh, by the way, anybody playing ten wraith guards and an incarn right now, um, come on, what are you doing? I I Which genuinely one? think playing wraith guard is bad at the, at this point. It does have incarn. I lied. Uh, it doesn't have the the wraith guard anymore. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, the wraith guard. Officially bad. That's my hottest take, and I've had it for like a month now. But I hate the Inker, uh, the Wraith Girl right now. Um, yeah, this this version with the Troopmaster. Uh, obviously, you've got Fugan, you've got the Vizark, who is the new. This is very similar to what Duda was running. Exactly. This is very much based off uh, Duda's list. I kind of love it. Uh, still, I think Falcons are fucking amazing. I still cannot get over the fact that they are the only support platform, whatever they are in Discord, that still fucking works in melee, even though every single other one, like the fucking Razorback, is still the end of the phase. This one is still the end of the turn, because fuck you, that's why, because we are older. What I'm going to Even Forge War units have it right, but yes. Eldar do not. Yes. Because fuck Eldar. What I'm going to say is there's one unit here that I'm the biggest fan of currently. And I if I were to build um, an LO list myself, I would include probably three of these. And it is a Warwalker with a Brightlands. I think currently this unit is incredible into the meta because how effectively it can remove things like Rhinos from behind ruins in the first turn. This unit scouts nine or eight inches, then moves again, I think 10 inches, and it will probably mostly 
draw a line of sight to a back of a rhino behind the ruin and has a very good chance to, chance to pop it. I love it. I love it currently with all the rhinos running amok, with all the transports, with um, big vehicles fighting before, behind ruins. I think it's huge value for the other player to bring that particular thing and try to pop rhinos as soon as possible. I would include three, like legitimately. Other than that, very, I would say traditional. I think it's traditional for Polish meta, <laughs> uh, in the sense that it gets, it has troops, uh, it has the Fizzark because fight first. One thing I like about Warwalkers nowadays is that they also have OC2, which in transport meta means you can just contest a marker with Warwalker instead of your other chaff. And killing Warwalker is a little bit harder than killing five men tough three for up save unit. Also, striking scorpions. Anybody? Just some some more points no, than that's, the that's trolling. We're getting into trolling territory. Absolutely not. I mean, they are like few points more than the rangers, and this is the infiltrating squad basically, which you kind of need still, I think. So if you've got spare points, I feel like uh, swapping the rangers for the hawks uh, for the scorpions is absolutely fine. Um, yeah, traditional Polish uh, elderless, whatever that means. Okay, and I think I'm done with our list. I'm not gonna go super deep into the French guys because they are practicing for a tournament, and also they didn't bring anything interesting. Also, uh, I'm going to highlight one particular list, if I may, from them. Just one single one. Um, uh, it's not going to be Sako's fucking world eaters, which are basic as fuck. It's not going to be Liam's list from worlds, because it's there. Uh, and it's not going to be a, CM a CSM Oracle to spam. It's going to be this beautiful... Uh... Punk. Space Wolves list with Gladius Task Force. And maybe you can tell me what the fuck is going on in here. <laughs> oh, yeah, Nathan, we need you because I didn't understand <clears throat> it either. Because Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Um, we've got the normal package of... Uh, we are playing Gladius, so we have the Apothecary with the, with the aggressors. That's fine. Gives you the advanced charge as well. There is no... Land Raider here for them. Um, there is a captain with the honor of vehement, vehement, which I still don't know what the fuck it is. There's a logger Greenmar on foot. Um, okay. And Dragner, two rhinos. With probably blood clothes in them, some of these can probably join in. There's one squad of wolves, a gladiator lancer, sure, two full plasma scepter squads, sure, one with the bolters, three men, and three scouts, and that's the list. No whirlwinds, right? No whirlwinds, no Andrea not... for the aggressors, yeah, they're not, they're... no Uriel the for them to deep strike because it's space wolves. Yeah, this is bizarre. 
<laughs> and I'm very excited to see it being played. Because I love this this moment when I look at the Space Marines list and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Can Logan join aggressors? It's a really good question. Let's actually check. Let's, let's you you guys explain to me what the fuck is going on here. I guess it's as good as mine. Blood claws are very choppy. Advanced charge out rhinos is the meta these days. Yep. I, uh, I get I get the blood yeah. claws in rhinos part. Yep. I like one of the Interceptors are a staple. Sure, of course. And you've got three scout squads because missions and stuff, so it plays missions very well. Logan Grimner without the 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 sleigh. It can not join anything else than and like relic terminators, terminator squads, terminator squad, or Wolfgar Terminators. It cannot join the clause. It's running solo. And he is in Terminator armor. So he is in he... Terminator armor. He so has he deep strike, to... of course. Yeah. And I believe he's there just for the Wa. Because he has the Wa ability, basically. Which means once per battle uh, in the charge phase, you activate it. And then you can reroll the charge rolls. And you've got the full rerolls to hit in melee, I believe. So I think. That's that. I think he's just there for the what? Which makes sense, I guess. The the turn that you have advanced and charging your whole army, you can just go push. Which I guess, and you double up the bonuses with the rerolls and things. Um, it's I, very interesting. It's yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'd have to know more about the ins and outs. It's interesting that I would say probably Black Templars have some better options. Right? It kind of feels like Black Templars, but a little worse. Like, it's hard. Like, uh, the fight first guys with sword brethren in impulses just are so tough not to take these mm -hmm. days. But it, at least it's different, and they are trying something. Yeah. So, that's my highlight for, for their lists. Other than that, um, kind of normal stuff. I wonder if Blood Claws that turn can put down a, a cursed unit. Oh, that's a lot of attacks. That's a lot of attacks. Yeah, because they've got like special abilities, which is like plus one attack and strength after yeah. the charge. So they've got like, let's see, uh, four attacks each with the chain swords, just the chain swords, four rerolls. Probably lethals from the lieutenant. Sure. Maybe. And plus one to one from the lance still. Yeah. I'm gonna be very interested to see it played. Um yeah, and I think that's pretty much it from our scream. Um I would just like to mention that overall I feel like if you are trying to get better in Teams 40k just fucking playing teams 40k is the best way to <laughs> like we can talk all we want we can do these episodes every two weeks but um if you have the opportunity and the will do these kind of scrims these don't cost you literally anything except your time 
And this is the way that you improve your team game the most. As it's it's extremely valuable for captains, it's extremely valuable for doing pairings, for filling out matrix. It literally step by step compounds every aspect of like going to WTC or any other team tournament. And to give a plug, if you're going to a team event that you don't know yet how to approach, I wrote an article that I would hum- not very much not humbly say it's quite good for you if you're looking for your first team event. It's amazing. And it applies as well for fives as for eights, but it's written for fives specifically. So you can just look at articles on our StatCheck webpage. And there's one that mentions how to set up a five-man team based on our Alpine Cup adventure last year. Yeah. So from my perspective, this kind of scream opportunity, especially right now where the meta is kind of healthy, but also changes right now a little bit with the new codexes, this is the best possible way to test ideas out. Be honest with everybody. You can try out so many armies. Um, You can try out very wacky ideas. Be honest with what your goals are. Um, Be honest with the opposing team what your goals are. Are you trying to win? Are you preparing for an event? Do you want to test a new codex, new lists out, like we did, for example, right? Be honest with each other and try to organize these types of things. There are a lot of teams right now um, throughout the world, literally. Uh, I know in the US, we've got the Champions Cup coming up. You've got literally tens of teams, dozens of teams right now signed up for it. So there is clearly interest in Teams 40K. So you've tried to um, organize for discourse and stuff, try to find people to do these kinds of scrims with you. You don't need to be a national team member to do so. And it's going to benefit all of you. If you're a player, if you're a captain, if you just want to start doing this stuff, this is literally the hands-on experience. You can do it through TTS. If you've got enough local players, you can do them locally or just go to another city for like a weekend instead of going for a tournament, for example. Because I'm going to be honest, this kind of screen will teach us way more than going to like two or three tournaments will. And that is mostly because you actually get to talk a lot with your other teammates and understand different approaches and how games will develop when you talk about estimations, etc. So the benefit is that you're not only thinking about your army, you're thinking about the game as a whole. So it makes it easier for you to focus and develop because you are kind of forced into it. Exactly. So... Uh, huge thanks to the to the French guys, to the non-lane team, or no skill team. <coughs> Shade, it must be thrown. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm super excited for this. I'm doing the Team Scotland pranks uh, tomorrow as well. We've got another Admech and Necron lists uh, in that. And yeah, that's the, basically the end of that, that topic. And Nathan, now, because we already spoiled this on the Polish team end of that we're seven i think we are just preparing for seventh and eighth national screen international screen how are you guys approaching this topic because you guys are very well known as the singles nation so have you guys tried something specific for this time yeah there's loads of scrims going on at the moment uh let me just pull up my discord 
I think we've got scrims with Northern Ireland. We've got scrims with Ireland, scrims with North, uh, Netherlands. And I think we've got scrims with uh, another Northern Ireland team. So we're actually getting a lot more in that way. We still obviously do a lot of singles. We have a lot of big singles events here. Um, but yeah, the scrims are much more prominent now. With it's it, for for anything teams related, we have a couple of teams events coming up. Uh, one of our coaches, Ed, is just set up. I think it's called Crazy War Boss. He's just set up a new tournament events running company. Who are going to be doing multiple singles and team events almost monthly now out of Glasshammer Games in uh, Telford, Birmingham area, uh, which will all go towards Team England funding as well. So there'll be a lot of, at least even to smaller, I think I've got one in the middle of next month, which is, I think there's 12 four-man teams. Just even those monthly are just good. Um, running up awesome. to ITT and then Pyro Cup. Pyro Cup is going to be hype as fuck, by the way. I'm so excited. Oh, I, can't, I can't wait. This is going to be legitimately awesome. For anybody that isn't um, aware, Pyro Cup is going to happen uh, end of February, middle of February. 23rd till 25th. And it's going to be uh, an international scream event, uh, similar to last year, but this time happening in February. And we've got England, we've got uh, USA coming. It's going to be a blast. So um, France, Belgium, Scotland, Netherlands, and two Polish teams as well. Yes, it's gonna also be yeah. a great fucking party because <laughs> that's yeah, what because is the amazing. whole event is held in one hotel where you have everything included. So you just need to come over, play in it, eat all the meals in it, and you get some drinks in the entry fee as well. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be a, such a blast. But I've got this one more thought um, before we close out. Before we get into show questions. Exactly. Um, for me, I treat going to events, like singles events, um, I would like to compare that to um, like playing solo queue in League or any other game, like playing your solo ladder, for example. Um, that would be for me going to a singles event, for example, if we are talking about teams. And in a similar fashion, if you want to get better in team play, what you do is do team play in the same way as like league teams are doing or Dota teams are doing. They scream constantly against each other. And as the scene broadens up and we've got more of these people who just are interested in getting better in teams i feel like this is the way of the future and it's very visible where like it clearly paid off for us um in the sense of like our national team and i think it can benefit every single team in the world even if you're not national wtc team it can be you just as you want to go to um american team championships champions cup anything like that so get involved. Yeah, you almost have to view singles now as this weekend you're getting an extra five to seven reps of your army. And mm -hmm. it's, it's just like playing practice games at home. Yeah, it's like solo queue, kind of. 
Um, okay. That's it for the topic. Show questions. Getting into show questions. So small plug before, uh, if you're interested in supporting us, etc., there is a Patreon with stat check. You can chime in there. Then you will get access to the Discord, where on the Discord you can answer questions that we'll respond to unless we forget, right, Pumba? So we'll try to make sure the, that we respond. And uh, if you have any ideas for the future shows, which I already had two people write to me private messages, we'll happily uh, get some ideas because how much you can talk about another 8v8 scrim. So. Yep. By the way, you fucking throwing shade at me after missing a show two, two weeks ago. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a little bit fucking exactly. stepping your boundary today, right there, my boy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can still mute you and kick you out of this call. Uh, anyway, so first question by Sam Lemon. Listening to the 6++ guys about playing with Intent and Tony Chu talked about during Team Poland screams, Many of the Polish lads will against their own detriment not do take bikes for themselves, but allow it for their opponents. What is the reasoning behind this? Pumba. So actually, this is one of the topics um that Duda and Gito discussed at one of our um Patreon streams that we sometimes do, if you are Polish, for now at least. Uh, we do have a patronite um if you want to support the Polish uh national team you can find this uh, small plug in the our facebook page team poland for the gay um and i feel like this is because um sometimes learning by actual mistakes is the best way to actually um memorize something unless you get burned specifically buy something very hard sometimes you won't remember it and oftentimes in the game of 40k we still play by instincts like we can practice and deduce and calculate as much as we want but ma 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 a big part of playing 40k still is kind of instincts and getting burned by something is for some people the way to get that into like their instinct to avoid certain situation like it will trigger their memory from this fucked me last time for example so i will never repeat this mistake again so this is what i would see this as a reason to not allow paybacks in like a practice games or a scream game for, because sometimes you just need to get burned to have that thing memorized and like trigger that even memory of it fucking up your score in a certain game that matters to you in some way, like a screen can. So that would be my answer for that. Anything to add, Nathan? Nah, hit the nail on the head. Yeah, sometimes you've just got to burn it into yourself that you fucked up and you live with the consequences to start yeah. attitude towards it. Because this is literally the way to trigger it when you need it to win an action of the game. And sometimes in practice games, you can almost do the you can do the mistake on purpose where you just go. Mm -hmm. I can sit here for these mana points probably, but fuck it, let's see mm -hmm. what happens if I go full aggro. Oh, yep. I got absolutely bombed. Okay, fine, I never do that again. Oh yeah, I I actually uh, chime in. I do that a lot uh, when I test armies, especially for the first time. You need to remove your ego from those games oftentimes, and I do it a lot. Um, 
That's what we try to force on our players. Yeah, uh, but for example, I've actually talked uh, with you about this Typhus a lot. When you practice a new army, for example, or Mycin practices a, uh, a new army, you tend to spend a lot of like theory and theory crafting and calculating um, outputs and stuff. Whereas my approach usually is to grab an army, put it on the table five fucking times, rush my opponent down, get absolutely slaughtered most of the time, test the absolute extent of stupidity I can pull off with the army, and then I try to adjust. Instead of like actually calculating each output and stuff, I try. I oftentimes just do a lot of stupid mistakes, which I'm very much aware I'm doing, to then try to correct them and find the extents, uh, the limits of the army. The, no, the next question: With Advek and Necrons having now dropped, what is the general approach of breaking down these new codices and testing concepts, Nathan? Well, Necrons seem to be a little bit easier, but almost with that you can go anything that seems absolutely ridiculous you can almost put to one side a little bit and say look these are probably going to get updated from that point explore the rest of the book uh say for example tony chu when he looks at an army a little bit like what we were just talking about is he goes right here's what i think is the meta list or here's what i think is really really good i'm going to go play every other unit in the codex first yeah, half of them are going to be jank, half of them are going to be awful, half of them they might have surprised him a little bit, he might find a use in them, but at least he knows when he then comes towards the WTC that he goes, okay, I played everything in this book now, these were really, really good, These, this was really shit at this. So he stops taking those certain things. So when it comes to, the, say, the Admech book, probably more, that's just going to be trial and error, they might be a little bit more like, say, Tyranids, where they've got loads of pretty decent options. So it's going to be more, how does it fit into the meta? Does the meta become more vehicles of transports? Does the meta become more hordes? Does the meta become this, that, or the other? So it might be a case of you can start tweaking your Admech or Necrons towards dealing with those. That's usually the starting point. Obviously, sometimes they just have bonkers army straight out the gate which we have a little bit with Necrons right now. Yep. Um, what I would add to that is when you are building lists with even a new army, try to not make the list in vacuum, so to say. Don't, don't just look at the internal balance of the codex. Think how this army is supposed to function on the actual table against actual metal lists. As like, I need some units to do this particular task, like open rhinos. Try to find yourself a unit that does this task. Don't just pick units and put them into lists because they seem good on paper. They have good data sheets, such and such. When you try to build a list, even with a new codex, try to find roles that you need to be fulfilled. Oh, I'll add another thing. Also, don't forget, the game is about points. Is your list good enough for holding primary? Is your list good enough to be able to do fixed or cards? Can you build a list that's very, very good at cards? Because that might just carry you through half your games. Like, say, the new Necron detachment, which is basically Grey Knights now. Could just be one of those. If the dumb stuff gets 
penalised, then in my big case, this army scores phenomenally well. You know, that kind of figure out how you're going to get, how figure out where your points are coming from. Exactly. Basically, have a game plan when building a list. Don't just put units in because they seem good. And specifically, I would say, when you're thinking about team concept, start thinking what armies your army might be good into. So it's just what you guys said, but you can even apply it to wider team, realize what's common in the meta, but what will be common in the team. So where can I slightly tailor my list in a way that it will be even better for my team? Because we struggle, for example, with specific army, so I can make sure that my army is a little bit better into that faction. So there, there's that level. And third question from Sam, because he loves to ask questions. With a new data slate on the horizon, will you start modifying your lists in anticipation of future changes or not play things which are expected to get nerfed adjusted? And I'll answer this one because I think we already answered it throughout this podcast to some extent. When we are talking about, for example, the scrims that we try to not take CSM, try not to take Eldar, or if you're taking Eldar, we're playing some wacky stuff. And this is something that I spoke about at the very beginning of the episode. I also think this is, you should be thinking about WTC at this point, if you're not singles focused player, because now is the time to test all those things. Like you also mentioned Nathan with Chewie playing all the weird stuff, right? All of it translates. So I think this is the moment to not get the most reps with the most optimal list because you will be getting a lot of those reps in June, July. Now you're, it's time for you to figure out maybe that one niche unit has actually a use that it will be better because when the data slates and the new mission pack drops in June, then we will already have that knowledge before. I also, to add to that, think that just right now, just playing the best units from the army is a little bit of a handicap, actually. If we look at the Eldari, if we look at the CSM, just sticking to, to the baseline kind of offers your opponent enough practice into that um, archetype, let's say. Whereas throwing something in that's more um, out there, maybe is an additional idea. This is basically the best time to test out ideas. And some of them might be just gonna good enough to stick around. Like Liam's list, for example, an LGTCSM list that everybody plays now, is not BR and all. And there are still variations and specific units that can work a li little bit, bit better for you or improve specific matchups. As for us, as I've said, this is the best example would be actually testing out Jukari because we see potential that the army can provide if it gets adjusted in the future. And it's very valuable to recognize which units um, do which roles the best right now before it gets super hot and everybody's like swarming it, if it's actually good, right? And then Preston asks to Sam's third point on a high level, how do you deal with a change and the shifting meta? Nathan, this is a very loaded question. So what's your take on it? <sighs> it's difficult 
because it's difficult where are you trying to preempt a meta change or are you trying to deal with it when it comes out because sometimes with how fast it does shift these days by the time something has reached its apex and won all its tournaments and you figure out a way to counter it the game changes again so it's very difficult to counter meta chasing at the moment unfortunately something they'll probably try and help fix um i think if you can try and see what like something we've talked about throughout this podcast quite a lot is rhinos in terrain digging rhinos out or digging transports out of terrain pieces that is kind that's not descriptive of any one army that's like four or five six in the meta right now so you probably know you need to deal with that there's quite a lot of infantry assault units coming out of those units do you have enough units to trade if you are going to try and go toe-to-toe on objectives and things like that yeah it's it's very difficult to predict and change your army for meta these days but it's there's so much information now that it probably just takes a lot of more homework. Look at the meta reports, look at the what's doing well, look at the not only, I think, don't get necessarily stuck with the 45 to 55% win rates, look at things like event wins, look at, so like at the moment it's been like CSM's on nine, Eldar's on nine, Death Guard's on six, that kind of thing where actually look at the 4-0 and armies because they're the ones that you're actually going to have to beat to probably get into the 5-0 and bracket. Look at the things that are winning events. That's probably where you have to look at. Start looking at stats. Start talking to good players who are winning events, things like that. I think that's where you have to kind of get to. Jesus. Am I still here? <laughs> uh, yeah, to add to that... Um... I feel like the only real answer is play a lot of fucking games. If if meta changes, I don't think predicting meta change is particularly possible. Um, I think recognizing meta trends is very valuable. So as Nathan said, things like a lot of transports are right now, right now prevalent. So if meta changes suddenly, you would like to uh, find out like what's the trend. Are like vehicles good? Is uh, infantry good? Are we playing MSU? Are Death Stars, for example, prevalent? Right. So you try to find those big trends and then try to answer them. But to do so, you need to follow a lot of tournaments. You need to see a lot of lists, and you need to play yourself a lot and test your ideas out. I don't think there's a particular trick, uh, unfortunately, to like adjust very fast. Um, just play a little games. And the last question. Not the last question. You... I've got one more. I will actually jump into it. My cat's name is Tiramisu, but I uh, she goes by Misu. And she's an absolute fucking devil. And also... Very nice and cool. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that interruption. 
As someone new to teams, what's the best way to try and break down a team's performance without overcomplicating things and making it a valuable learning process for the whole team? And I will once again ask Nathan because me and Pumba tend to hog the fucking mic. So, so I guess kind of the the standard that we look at Team England a lot of the time is. The, the easiest way is to kind of go off your matrix was did you reasonably secure the color points? Sorry, I should say quickly. Matrix is we normally break them down into colors. Colors equal certain points that you think you're going to get in those matchups. You break up the 20 nil system roughly that way. We normally base it off a performance of how good were you running up to an event? Were you easy to work with? Were you good at developing lists? Were you good at being creative? Did you constantly tweak your list? Did you, how good were you with feedback? When it comes to the actual how well the team did at the event, hitting your matrix, making sure your matrix is right. There's nothing worse than somebody going, oh, yeah, I get 15-5 against that, and then they come back with three points because you've obviously either not played the game, not done your homework, or the matchup is just not how you think it should go. Or you've just either had a really bad performance, but normally you shouldn't be putting 15 5 if you then get three because dice doesn't do that much points. Um, overall, yeah, that's kind of how I judge a performance for a team. Like, because sometimes you can't necessarily judge a team performance by just winning the event. I think we've had it before where we've if the competition of the event is not super high, we've won the event, but then not dealt with potential issues you've actually had on the team going, actually, that person didn't do that well. That guy's missed his matrix quite a lot. But it doesn't matter because you've got the results. Like, it's you have to be super critical. Even if you won the round 100 to 60, you go, oh, cool, we got a triple-digit score. Yeah, but two people had really bad performances. But you almost discount those sometimes because you're like, I won the round which is you've just got to be critical at all times. And it's also just players need to take it upon themselves to be critical of themselves, be like introspective about how their, their actual performance went. Yeah. Just a quick addition to that. If someone is uh, quite new to teams, you need to take it as just kind of also learning completely new skill compared to singles so if you're used to be constantly winning in uh, for example singles environment then teams is quite still is still quite different and you will need to learn that skill like almost from nothing sometimes um so be do expect to sometimes lose of course this kind of kind of obvious but sometimes it's worth reminding people of that um, and the second part is um, make sure everybody on the team um, aligns their goals with each other. Are you there to practice? For example, if you go into an event, are you there to practice your list? Are you there to win? Are you get to, there to get better at the game? Are you there to have beers and fun? Which also is fine, by the way. A lot of team events for many, many fucking teams is just drinking a lot of fucking beers with your team and teammates which is a lot of fun. So if you want to get better, do be critical 
um, like towards yourself and each other and understand that somebody is gonna fuck up sometime and it's gonna pull your fucking team score down and you need to accept that from both sides like this person needs to accept that he fucked up for example and like deal with that um just think why that happened and also other people need to accept like don't jump onto him for example and not criticize it for it um it's any any team sport works kind of the same but it's i think worth reminding people that it's still a team very much a team game which requires a little bit of a different curve or like social curve than just singles events and that's all of the questions for today uh because i don't see any other of them and the ones on the youtube chat are rather answered or not on the topic because, for example, I have no clue how Necrons deal with ACDC and what does it mean. So, anything to add, boys, before we leave this two-hour episode? That was pretty comprehensive. I'm good. Are you, though? Like, Yes. Look, I have a cut. I mean, you've got the gut. The cut, so... She's also insane right now. It's the crazy. Okay. Then thank you very much for joining us for another a long episode. It just happens to when you start talking about in-depth stuff that it, it takes a lot of time. So thank you. And as, as I said during the episode, if you want to support what we do and join in a little bit more to into conversations and ask those questions that we're comprehensive answering now. Join the Patreon, get on the Discord, you get access to events that we organize. And you can also talk to us a little bit because we try to answer all the questions we get there. So having said all of that. Yep. See you in two weeks in special Christmas episode. Yeah, I think we'll do like a year recap. Yep. Yeah, that sounds good. good. So we'll look for someone to join us as another guest so if you have an idea or you feel qualified we might you might ask us and we might as well just grab you for it for that one but having said that have a nice evening boys and see you in two weeks for more shows like this check out the goonhammer media network more info at media.goonhammer.com Thank you.